Good morning, everyone. It is it is early Tuesday morning in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Post-Gazette sports columnist Joe Starkey for our Steelers post-game show um, here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, uh, Post-Gazette Podcast Network, and postgazette.com. We got the, we got the works tonight, Joe. Um, you can find us anywhere. Uh, 26-22 win for the Steelers tonight at Acrisure Stadium. I was manning the chat uh, for Paul Zeiss, who normally does it, uh, the postgazette.com chat, and there were some angry, angry people for about 95% of that game, Joe. Um, And then the Steelers pull it out. Um, The T.J. Watt scoop and score there at the end makes the difference. Let's just get your your gut reactions here at the beginning, Joe, uh, before we get into some of the nitty-gritty. Well, a good defensive plan, and the defense won the game. You know, give Mike Tomlin credit. He's the de facto defensive coordinator. Troy Aikman was talking about Terrell Austin, but if we're going to rip, you know, Mike Tomlin when his defense doesn't do well, give him some credit. They went after Deshaun Watson in a big way. A lot of blitzing uh, late in the game. They were there to they were there to win it defensively. And then the two touchdowns. They scored two touchdowns defensively. Their offense still stinks, but, hey, they won the game. You know, they had to win, I think, this game tonight. And the defense won it. It did, and I felt once once they were able to get that touchdown and force the Browns off of the running game, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was curtains. And, and even as they were moving the ball a little bit, once the Steelers – Aikman mentioned it on the broadcast. Once the, once the field got a little bit shorter – um, they were able to tighten the screws, and I really didn't feel like the Browns had many answers for them. Um, it took getting the lead late, but it was you really felt that that Steelers defense was was winning the line of scrimmage and really dominating there at the end. Um, we're going to get into the specifics here in a minute. Just want to give a shout-out to our presenting sponsor before we get too far into this episode, uh, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new Windows and Doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Joe, I think the big story for me in this game is is this was an encapsulation of how the NFL is becoming a splash plays league. Um, it's the coin of the realm. There was there was not a ton of fluidity on either side of the ball. I felt like um, they struggled to to stop the run at various times. Um, they struggled mightily offensively to to get any kind of flow going for a second consecutive week. But you hit the plate of Pickens. You get both of those uh, you know defensive touchdowns. You have that I believe thirty yard pass to Jalen Warren that set up one of the field goals. And, and that's it. The Steelers win the game um, without having, you know, any long drives and sustained offense and anything that looked pretty. Um, is, is that just sometimes the way it's going to go in the NFL these days is you just got to make a few splash plays in the end. And the Steelers made more than the Browns did. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time the Steelers scored two defensive touchdowns. I bet you they announced that in the press box at some point. Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't. No, I don't. It's not. I don't remember it specifically myself. So splash plays is one thing, you know, scoring twice defensively in the same game. 
that's a whole different thing. But, man, it's the Browns. That's the other thing that stands out about this game for me. It's the Cleveland Browns. It's what they do. Everything's there for them. And I know they got a horrible break tonight with that awful Nick Chubb injury and some other injuries in their secondary. But, man, they sold out to bring that quarterback in here. And he just didn't get it done. You know, he basically, he handed them the second touchdown. The first one was probably more of a drop than a bad throw, but it wasn't a great throw. It seemed to be a miscommunication. And I don't know, do you feel great about the Steelers coming out of this one? I don't necessarily feel great about them, but hey, they're one and one in a division. Here's the thing. In a division that looks like everybody's going to struggle with injuries. And I know the Ravens are 2-0, and but man, they're banged up in a big way. And we know about the Bengals, the Browns. I hate to say it because it's been said so many times. They're the Browns. The Browns is the Browns. This is what they do, is what you saw tonight. And and then uh, the Steelers banged up too. So I think the, you know, the hope here is that you're going to get a division winner with no more than 10 wins. And I think that's possible. Yeah, and it was it was definitely rough and tumble tonight. Um, Joe, offensively, I mean, I think you could you could nitpick pretty much everyone in, in this game. Um, Kenny Pickett missed some throws. He missed some open receivers. Uh, the offensive line, especially that I think it was the the drive right before the scoop and score for TJ Watt, just some unforgivable unforgivable missed blocks. I don't think Isaac Samalo knew knew where the the guy that just beat him was until like three seconds after the play on that one sack of picket. Um, the, the play calling drove me nuts at times, specifically when they caught, they finally got the running game going on that one drive, Joe, in the second half. Um, I think Najee Harris made a couple of nice plays and they had a nice rush by Warren. They go right to the jet sweep and it gets smothered and kills that drive. Um, we can talk about all of them specifically here in a second, but what was the biggest issue for you tonight um, on the offensive side of the ball? Well, they got beaten up a little up front, but it's I think it's just the general scheme, you know. The sight of George Pickens catching a ball in stride and run, we were talking about that on the radio this week, and that's exactly what I said. I think I wrote it this week, too, uh, in our in our paper. I said, a sight I would love to see that you never see is, a, is George Pickens wide open running across the middle of the field, catching a ball and making yards after the catch. Why does every other team have this, well, except Cleveland, have this with happen with frequency, and the Steelers never, ever, ever do. Credit them for that one play. Pickett took a hellacious hit and stood in there and delivered the ball on time on that one, and Pickens made a play, and Pickens had a great game, really. Now, Cleveland lost some corners in the game. That's true, too. But, man, that was a great play. Um, but the issues on offense, I, I think it just starts with the play caller. Uh, Pickett, again, wasn't good. Just everything. I mean, where do I start? Where do I stop? Uh, it's, it's it's hard. I think specifically with the Pickett and uh, Pickens connection, it's hard for me to say that, Joe, especially at this late hour. Um, they they did hook up on on the big touchdown. They hit a couple nice plays, but there was definitely some discord there too. I think let me pull up the box score here. Um, I think he there were five targets at least that he did not catch. 
Um, yeah, Pickens was targeted 10 times, four receptions. So it was, you know, 103 yards, you say he had a good game, but but really with as much attention as he was getting, um, does, does it still seem like that's not working the way it should? Well, it's tough tonight because that's a that's a pretty good defense. And before their corners went out, you know, if you would have told me before the game under any circumstances that Pickens would get over 100 yards and have a 70-yard touchdown, I think I would have been happy. But I do hear what you're saying. It, it certainly was, wasn't perfect with those two. But I'll, I'll take that connection for tonight as far as anybody else goes. I mean, Friermuth is invisible right now. Najee had a couple, one broken run that was really good. But other than that, he was just bottled up all night. Warren got some things done, but the offense as a whole, that they they got lucky that the Steelers won. I still can't believe the first interception by Delpit wasn't a pick six. How does he not return that for a touchdown? Yeah, I mean, there were there were plays that were there for the Browns to make. And to your point, the Browns is the Browns, and they didn't make them. They Multiple chances they had, um, you know, to kind of change um, that game. Um, Joe, I, I want to get into the, the Warren versus Najee Harris debate in a little bit. I, I know there was a ton of rage in the Post-Gazette chat, and I'm sure in the chat that's going along with this video right now about the lack of tight end use. Um, it, it feels like those guys have gone invisible. You draft Darnell Washington to a lot of excitement. I think it's understandable if it takes a little time to get him integrated into this offense, but Pat Fryermuth has been around, and it feels like he's disappeared um, You know, in, in both of these games. And, and even going back to the last season, I looked um, in the middle of the game, the last three or four games, he, he really wasn't getting much attention. What's going on there, and, and is this somewhat a result of if you're if you're not sustaining drives, you're not going to be able to get targets to the guys that you, you sometimes want to get them to. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that Fryermuth isn't a huge part of the offense because even for an offense that doesn't run smoothly, you figure there are going to be some throws to the tight end just kind of posting up. Now, he had the touchdown catch last week, but he also had a miscommunication or two with Kenny. And, uh, yeah, I would love to see him and Mount Washington involved a little bit. It's, it's just such a disjointed mess really on offense you you get the feeling that something bad is going to happen all the time but man all the people raging on the chat they weren't the only ones thinking that Jalen Warren deserves to play over Najee now Najee then had a couple really good runs right after that including one amazing uh, broken play run but it's a legitimate debate that's the thing. It's a legitimate debate right now. Who should get more carries? I will definitely acknowledge that. I, well, you know what I said in the chat, Joe, is that I love Jalen Warren as a one-cut runner. And when you're going straight ahead north and south, and when that's what the play call calls for, you know, I really think he is the, the better runner. But those two plays you mentioned by Najee Harris in the second half um, to kind of get that ultimately ill-fated drive going, I don't think Jalen Warren's able to, to change direction or balance it out the way Najee Harris did, um, I, I think a lot of it's situational. I'll also say this for for Jalen Warren is they've, they've done a nice job kind of scheming up those third down and long screens to him that, you know, get 14 out of the 16 yards that they need. Um, but, but when you're behind the sticks, they ultimately don't end up mattering a whole lot. Um, but the, the one that did go for 30 yards and set up that one field goal was, I think, a, a low-key – 
um, turning point in the game because you were able to get a little bit more offense there in the first half. So I think it's it's a question, Joe, of, of how they can use those guys a little bit better situationally. And I kind of get the impression that they know that, but they think that they have more um, ability to do more things with, with Najee Harris as opposed to Jalen Warren, who kind of seems like he, he has a more specific skill set. Well, what were the touches tonight? Do you have the final box score? In front I do. Of I have the box score right here. I'd be Najee Harris had 10 carries. Jalen Warren had six, um, 21 rushes total for the team. But then in the passing game, Jalen Warren had six targets, four catches. Um, Najee Harris had three targets for one catch, um, and he didn't get any yards on that one. Well, so Jalen Warren so, was much more involved in the passing game. Jalen Warren got more touches when you had a healthy Najee. That's a story for me. Yeah, and do you think it's uh, do you think he's the better passing back, Joe, or, or do you think it was just a situational type well, of funny. thing? It's funny how it's worked out. I'm not sure he's not the better running back and Najee's the better guy. Like, Warren's really good out of the backfield. He is. But Najee, you remember his uh, game-winning score against the Ravens last year? I think he can get things done, like, downfield in the passing game. And it's almost been underutilized. Um, So I think the final breakdown here, when we look at these games moving forward, is is it's going to break down probably about evenly. Because because Warren has now sort of stepped in as a third down back and is getting series on offense, which means he's going to wind up with, with a lot of touches. I think Najee is almost underutilized in the pass game, but Warren Warren does have that knack for getting first downs when it doesn't look like he can get them. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's really good at getting those one or two extra yards, Joe. And and uh, that's you know, that's the coin of the realm for running backs. And and I think it's 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 a hard debate to dismiss at this point. I get why the Steelers yeah. want to get things going with Najee Harris. And, you know, I don't even think it's – it's just a matter of can you get – are you trying to do things with Jalen Warren as opposed to just sticking him in there to stop – you know, to, to spell Najee Harris. I think you need to start doing things for him. And whatever the balance ends up being, if it's 60-40 Najee some games, if it's 60-40 Warren some games, I think you have to let the game plan somewhat dictate that and not just say – well, Najee's our guy unless, you know, he's tired, something like that. Well, I think we saw it. Uh, so I, credit again, credit uh, to Tomlin there, honestly, for or, or you know, if Matt Canada, I'm loath to give him credit for anything. Uh, and it's not much to see the obvious, but we're there. Jalen Warren got more touches than Najee Harris tonight. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if that's just a game or if it becomes a trend. Um, last question I wanted to ask you about on offense before we move to defense, Joe. Um, no Connor Hayward again tonight. And, again, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier. You only have so many targets, especially when you're struggling on offense. It's really hard to, you know, get a guy in for 20 snaps if if you're not sustaining drives. Um, but he – every time he, they've, they've used him as a – he's been a spark so many times for this offense – and I'm not saying you need to have him in there every down, but there were so many times tonight where I was like, man, wouldn't wouldn't that K, uh, Connor Hayward pass over the middle here, maybe get 20 yards in a first down, really start to get that that rhythm going for this offense and, and kind of spark them? Do you want to see more from him, or is this more a matter of you need to see more from the, the guys who are paid the most and in the, in the critical positions first for this offense to work? Yeah, I mean, I don't care who it is. I love Connor Hayward. Get him involved. Get Fryermuth involved. Get Mount Washington more involved. 
Some of it, though, has to go to the scheme and the offensive line. I didn't think the line had a great game tonight. That's for sure. And we can't escape uh, our offense talk here without talking about the option to Kenny Pickett on the third and one. Yes, that was. Are you kidding me? Here's something for both teams tonight, and probably for a lot of teams around the league that that I'm I'm just completely flummoxed by. The Eagles showed us last year, and in the game I saw that they had uh, in the opener, that when you have a yard to go, it's almost automatic. They allow you to have huge men pushing your quarterback from behind over the line of scrimmage. Put Mount Washington back there and somebody else and push Kenny Pickett over over the first down line. And then the same thing for the Browns. What are we doing here? How can that not be used on every single third and one until somebody shows that you can stop it? Because you can't. Yeah, well, listen, Joe, that's why I drafted Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team. And I was sitting there watching that Minnesota-Philadelphia game. the other. I think it was at least twice they were on the one-yard line. You knew where the ball was going, and you knew he was going to score. Um, so I'm right there with you. And especially because, you know, back in the Ben Roethlisberger era, when you didn't have anyone behind him and there was a huge drop off from quarterback one to quarterback two, yeah, I, you know, I could understand wanting to protect the quarterback a little bit. I don't know if that drop off is severe at this well, point. Can you take it to Mitch Trubisky where if he gets hurt on a play like that? I don't think the season's over, Joe. And I, you know, and I think it's already a pretty limited risk. Listen, if you want to argue, you want to protect the quarterback. I'm trying to look if that was in fact a third and one, was it? When he ran the, when they uh, had him run on the option, it was I a third. It was, I think it was a little bit longer than one yard. I think it was more like a, a third and a, like long two. But so it wasn't exactly the the situation we're talking about. But at that stage of the game, Joe, you know, I, I think you can justify saying, you know, push him forward, take a shot with it. It certainly it is. I'll give you this: it is certainly better than what they drew up. Well, it also works for two yards, by the way. Uh, it also works for two yards. But if your argument is that you want the quarterback to be, uh, you know, keep him safe, then why are you running him on an option? Right. Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's just – you're leaving so much more to happen, um, you know, behind that line of scrimmage instead of just getting right up in there. Um, right. You know, and, and, and you're waiting for so many more things to develop. And for what percentage of the night were those things not developing for the Steelers' offense? Um, got to get to a couple ad reads here before we get into the defense. First, we've got Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also, thank you to Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply at propelschools.org. Joe, with with the defense, I guess the first thing I want to ask is, is what a lot of Browns fans are talking about tonight is was the hit on Nick Chubb dirty? Um, I, Tend not to think so. I, I thought it was a football play um, that just happened to go into the exact wrong spot. Um, you know, football players make these kinds of hits all the time, and you don't see 
anything nearly as devastating as what happened to Nick Chubb last night. But I'll let you weigh in on that one. Man, I'll be honest. That's the first I've heard of it, is people calling it dirty. They wouldn't show the uh, replay, probably for good reason, on television, although we could have a debate about that. If we're all watching a game on television, we should probably, with a warning maybe, if they want to warn us, but I think with with uh, millions of people watching, that we should probably get a replay, even if it's the grotesque one, because... It happened in the game, and everyone's going to see it class. anyway. It's a huge right? class. It's like yeah, the Willie I mean, McGahee hit in college. It could define yeah. their, their whole season, and, and you don't have to show it a million times, but, but how many times did they show DeMar Hamlin collapsing, Joe? You know? Right. I mean, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's with, a, with a warning, I think. You may not want to see this, but here's what just happened. Um I didn't get a good enough look at it. I just assumed it was it was such a you're in such close quarters down there by the goal line that for me it would be hard to like line somebody up for a dirty hit there. You're just trying to there's bodies flying all over the place. You're doing anything you can to bring a guy down, but I will acknowledge that I haven't gotten a great look at that replay yet to uh to give you a totally educated opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I saw some. I saw some real tight looks on um, Twitter of the injury itself. I, I don't know if I saw how where Minka Fitzpatrick was coming from. Certainly, know where he ended up, um, but but it's hard to judge that play, um, you know, based on some of those really tight shots that you have on social media that obviously weren't on the broadcast. Um, so you know, I thought that was, you know. I thought it was a football play, and it, yeah. sometimes football plays suck, and, and that's kind of the way it goes. Um, was, Sacro, Minka, was Minka in the game at the end? I don't think he was. I think he was in for a sustained period again. A lot of people were asking. He was in the game, and then I think he might have hit his head on that long um, Browns run, Joe. Um, I knew he and, left, but then in the mayhem there at the in the final seconds, I didn't even notice if he was in. If anyone in the chat knows, let us know. I I did not see him come back in, um, you know, at the end, but I, I could be mistaken on that. Um, speaking of injuries, Joe, uh, first real test without Cam Hayward tonight. You get a sack from Ogunjobi. You get a sack from DeMarvin Leal. Um, multiple other guys were active. I wrote this this week um, in our PFF grades post that a lot of those defensive linemen scored pretty well. I'm going to expect that they're going to score pretty decently this week as well. Um, are you heartened that, that this injury to Cam Hayward isn't going to be anywhere near as devastating to this defense as the loss of T.J. Watt was last season? Well, I'm not sure about that yet, but it wasn't tonight. It certainly wasn't tonight. I'm not sure about that yet. They gave up how many – How many? Nick Chubb looked like he was on his way to a 220-yard game to me at 64 yards. When did he get hurt? Uh, I think it was early in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, he was on his way, I think, to a 200-yard game. So I'm not sure if if I believe that moving forward, but for tonight, they were good enough to get the job done. Certainly, they were they were at times destructive um, in the past game for sure. Ogan Joby, that's why you paid him the money for him to be healthy in games like this. Like last year's Tampa game, he can be a dominant player. He was going against Wyatt Teller, who's a really good player, and Montrevious Adams had moments. Leal had moments. So I, I was heartened by some of that, but 
I don't trust this run defense moving forward. Not at all. Joe, we're getting reaction in the comments to us asking what happened. Um, I've seen one person say it's a chest injury for Minka. Um, some people saying he might be in the hospital. Um, so I'm assuming that injury happened on that, that long run. Um, if they lose him for any sustained period of time, how does that frame your um, view of this defense moving forward? Dimbly, I mean, you know, without without Hayward and without Minka, those are, you know, two. you have stars at every level of this defense. Now you just remove two levels. You're left with pretty good ones in Watt and Highsmith, but it's hard for me to separate the fact that they played Deshaun Watson and the Browns. That is That is a pretty inept offense, and he's horrible. And their play caller... Uh, Kevin Stefanski now is horrible. I don't think it's an accident that their biggest win in the Stefanski era was with him watching from home and not calling the plays. Do you think they can survive these next couple of weeks? You know, you've got Vegas on Sunday. You've got the Texans after that. Um, not two of the toughest teams in the NFL. Um, if they can get past that, are you a little bit more optimistic? No, you know, that would be like last year's stretch run and sort of, an illusion, but I wouldn't be surprised they lost one of these two games either, but these are two pretty bad teams. So good for the Steelers that they hit this point in their schedule. I think it'll be good for them. I think they're probably going to win both, but they're probably going to be death struggles too. I mean, this, this offense is just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the chat, Vic says Tomlin confirmed that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick went to the hospital with that chest injury. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something to monitor throughout the week. Um, Joe, I want to talk a little bit about the cornerbacks because that was another hot topic in the Post-Gazette chat tonight. Um, specifically the, the Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr. debate. I don't think that's going away after, after what we saw tonight, the limited action we saw Joey Porter Jr. And he made two huge plays. Uh, he broke up that big third down early in the game. And then he comes back on that last uh, series and, and next to last series and um, gets the fourth down stop. Um, he got away. He got away with one there. Let's. I was going to say it was, it was it was a close call. It was a bad throw by Watson. I think that helped because I don't know if it was a catchable ball, but um, he, he did get away with a little bit of contact there. But where do you where do you fall in that debate? Because Levi Wallace did not paint himself in glory tonight. Dropped that interception. Um, was was toasted on a couple of other plays, especially on that. I'm starting to lose where the, each drive was, but where they had them pinned on the one yard line, he got that nice hit, and then Cleveland drives all the way down the field. Um, where do you fall in that debate, Joe? That Joey Porter should play, and that he better be good, because I saw last night Christian Gonzalez, a guy that was drafted seventeenth uh, overall, that the Steelers could have had. A lot of people thought they were going to draft. Christian Gonzalez. I saw him running with Tyreek Hill. He's on the field. He's playing. He's tracking a great receiver. He's drawing compliments from that great receiver. Um, On draft night, I thought it was great that the Steelers had two early picks, guys who could help them immediately in a big way. Let's get to it, shall we? You know, get him in there. He he did a great play early in the game. And then, uh, you know, at least he was aggressive on that last one. And in the end, if they don't call it, it's a great play, too. I want to see him on the field. I want to see Broderick Jones on the field. I, I thought is- they were getting immediate help here in this draft. 
other teams did. And I'm, I'm wondering, at least early on, it's very early on here, but I'm wondering, man, Gonzalez would look nice in a Steeler uniform, wouldn't he? Chasing the other team's best receiver around? That's the number one thing they needed in this draft. What, what's the source of, of the caution here, Joe? Because it's not just one guy. Like you mentioned, it's going on with Broderick Jones. Dan Moore got exposed a couple more times tonight. He was terrible in that game against San Francisco. And, you know, I think the whole theory of the Dan Moore situation was, well, he's going to be better prepared to handle some of these tough pass rushers that you have in the first three games of the season. And then maybe you throw in Broderick Jones in a place where he's a little more able to succeed. But I think that theory's gotten blown to smithereens, don't you, Joe? Yeah, well, I don't know how Dan Moore played tonight. I'm interested to see some of the advanced stats tomorrow. He definitely got beat a couple times. Everybody does by Garrett. But for the most part, like, Miles Garrett was not a game wrecker tonight. I didn't think. Did you? No, you're right. Now that I think about it, there weren't, other than that one example where he tore in there on Dan Moore, and they, I mean, ESPN replayed it like three times. So maybe it's sticking yeah. in my mind a little there, bit there more. There were a few. Anecdotally. There were a few. But yeah, I, I want to see Broderick Jones, but but more I want to see Porter. And more to the point above all, going into this draft, I wanted to see, and they still might. It's very, very early. I get it. But I wanted the Steelers to come out of this draft with a guy who can follow receivers around the field, your best receiver, and go. And New England looks like they got one, three picks after the Steelers took Jones. That's my early concern here. But I want to find out about Joey Porter. You know, let's go here. There's no rule against playing him. Let's go. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Joe. I, th- I think it's time to to get the impact that you you know got everyone excited about this draft. Was you got the things that you needed, and and they're not in there yet. And I, I think it's understandable why a lot of fans are disappointed. Yeah. Um, did anyone else stand out to you on defense tonight, Joe? I, I think Alex Highsmith looked like he was worth every penny. Um, it's it's probably a good thing that the Steelers got that deal done. Yeah. Um, Cole Holcomb looked okay late That's to me. That's what I was going to say. Cole Holcomb had a couple big plays. Credit to him for that. He looked pretty good. Was there anyone else who, who you were you caught caught your eye at? Landon Roberts had that big hit near the goal line. Didn't end up mattering, but I think that made a lot of people at least happy. Just KZ, KZ had a couple plays. Uh, Quan Alexander was game. I'll say that much for him. He was definitely game and involved in some collisions. Um, but I think we've mentioned almost everybody. Montrevious Adams actually had a couple plays where he exerted some pressure on the quarterback. Listen, they were they were in the pass game pretty destructive up front. Like they they kicked the rear ends of a very good offensive line. They did. Not just with Highsmith and Watt, but on the interior. And that helped make a lot of what happened on the outside possible. Uh, those guys were really good in that respect tonight. And Elijah Riley was flying around on that last drive too. It wasn't just, too. Yeah. wasn't just the sack that he got. It was that pressure on the previous play too that made a huge difference there at the end. So um, he was worth noting. Presley Harvin, Joe, had maybe his best game as a Steeler. He was close to their MVP for the game. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. He was, he was a human field position turner. You know what I mean? He was great. And on top of that, and one of the reasons people talk about why he's been kept around so long is because as a holder, he's been really good. And he had a great hold on that 50-yard field goal. I mean, that was that was spectacular. But he, he was legitimately 
a huge factor in this win. Yeah, and I mean, if you can, if if he is that punter every week, Joe, I mean, that's a weapon, and and you know, you don't want to make too much of the punter, but um, I think he yeah. heard the coach. He may have heard the coach talking this week. I think that might have happened. Yeah, well, and and I, that's one of those examples where those those little uh, you know coaching comments sent can sometimes work. Um, right before we sign off here, Joe, let's talk a little bit about the Browns. And I'll tell you what, if I'm a Browns fan, Joe, this one frustrates me more more than if if the Steelers had lost that game and not gotten that late touchdown. I think I think you're less frustrated as a Steelers fan than a Browns fan now is having seen Deshaun Watson play like that. Um, and, and, you know, seeing some of the mistakes that they made tonight. Yeah. It's just, you get the feeling it's never going to change. You know, we talked to Tony Grossi this week. This was such a huge opportunity for them coming into Pittsburgh as a favorite for the first time, I think since 1989 or some ridiculous thing, all the times they've lost here, excluding the playoff game. Um, they haven't gotten off to a 2-0 and start in, what, 26 years, the longest streak in NFL history. And this game was there for them to win. Come on, don't give up two defensive touchdowns, for God's sakes. And they couldn't do it. And Deshaun Watson stinks. And if I'm a Browns fan, I, I see it again. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll tease their fan base for a little while this year. And then you do feel horrible about Nick Chubb. Don't want to ever see that happen to anybody. And he seems like a great dude and he's a great, great player. So it's a feeling of pity for them on a lot of levels, having grown up in Buffalo, watching the Bills. Of course, at least they got to Super Bowls before they lost. Um, But it's just not changing. I'm not a Stefanski guy at all. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's the Browns, man. It's the Browns. And they're not going to do it again this year. And I think that probably became clear to the majority of their fans. It ain't happening in Cleveland this year again. Yeah, especially with the Chubb injury. Um, did think it was cool, Joe, I saw on social media that, that Nick Chubb did leave Ackershire Stadium to chance of Chubb, 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 Chubb. Yeah. I think everyone kind of got the gravity of that moment. Um, and the rivalry just kind of subsided. Um, that was one of those cool you know, sports moments for me. Um, that the Steelers fans rose to the occasion and, and noticed that it was it was bigger than the game tonight. Yeah, and they made a point to mention that on the broadcast. And he also, you know, and, and again, he seems like a very likable guy who worked his way back from a major injury to that same knee in college. And he's just, he's he's a phenomenal player. So let's hope he can do it again. Yeah, I'll... I'll... Be, I think a lot of people will be rooting for him, but it's going to be a tough road, especially because you mentioned he's already had a, a major catastrophic injury on that knee, um, yeah. you know, once. Any final thoughts, Joe, before we sign off here? Well, they salvaged something tonight, you know, when you pay two guys a combination of $180 million over the course of their contracts, this is what you get, you know, what you hope to get is them winning you games. That's why you pay them a buck 80 and they did it tonight tj watt alex highsmith a lot of people contributed but those two were at the forefront they each scored a touchdown for god's sakes how many how many touchdowns does the offense have this year two uh, yeah i think it's two two versus two right yeah they're so they're tied the out the edge rushers and the offense are tied 
Well, and they're going to have to keep doing it, Joe. If 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 the, Mika Fitzpatrick is going to miss any significant time, I mean, the pressure that's going to be on T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to be the disruptors on this team and to score touchdowns. Yes, and score touchdowns. Just not thought to mention the offense. Just every week, every play. week, we need a touchdown from you guys. I mean, this. What do you do on offense? It's just it's so ugly. It's so ugly. Yeah, now you're going on the road on a short week. I, I think that's going to be a major test of, of can these guys get it moving at all here in the early season, um, you know, and, and not take the, you know, eight weeks, nine weeks until they got things figured out last season. Um, yeah. The pressure's really on for that one. But, Joe, thank you for, for joining me tonight. Thank you. Yeah, we have nearly 400 people watching here at 12. Almost thank you for watching this late. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. And thank you for hanging in for the whole stream, too. It's only The, the audience has only gotten bigger, Joe. So kind of hate keep to wrap going? up. You want to keep going? Is there an encore? They, do they have uh, their, their, their cell phone lights on right now yelling for an encore? Do they want an encore? I, I, the, the, it was like Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short the other night at the Benedum. You know, they're, they're screaming for more. They need more of us, Joe. I, I guess we could talk about Panthers Saints, right? I didn't see a single play from Panthers Saints. I saw more plays than I was intending to, Joe, because a lot of people, you know what people were fired up in the chat about tonight was the split screen that they kept doing on ABC. It was like toward the end of the second quarter. It was like we were watching both games for a sustained period of time. Yeah. I, I kind of hated that. I know what we didn't talk about. From what I understand, we had the first fire Matt Canada chance in the stands. Tonight. Oh, they were in the stands. Yeah, I mean, listen, everyone's been in this chat, not even the, the chat from before when it was written, but the, the this video chat, people are asking when they're going to make a move. I mean, Joe, how long do you go? I guess I'll, we'll keep it going with that. How, how long, long do you, I go? Yeah, how, how long, long do, do I go? Sometime, sometime last year is how long I go with this guy. I mean, I'm right there with you in terms of what it should have been done, but given that they made the decision, you invested a whole offseason in this guy. Right. Um, you know, how, so, so given that, how long do you give, give him to turn it around before you're saying it has to happen? Not long. I mean, what's the point really? But I know they probably, uh, if you're asking me how long I think they'll go to the end of the season. You think you know? that's for a mid season move? I don't see that happening, you know, because of probably stubbornness and arrogance and everything else. I see them, you know, they doubled down on the guy this year. Um, but you finally heard those chants at the stadium, man, between their offense and Pitt's offense. I don't know. I don't know which one is worse right now. I, I think it's Pitt's to be honest. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that probably, yeah, that, I mean, what happened in the, it was some of the worst quarter, what we've seen from Phil Dracovic's been some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen. Um, but that's another video, Joe. We can't, we can't let them well, steal Kenny's- their thunder. Kenny's lucky he didn't have another pick. He threw a horrendous pass on the sidelines. I don't know how that dude dropped it. That one at the first the beginning of the second half. Yeah, that was that was. I don't even know what he was doing there. And I still think it's miraculous that Delpit didn't score. Like he got tri- nobody. Who he, I forget. Was it Pickens? Was that pass intended for Austin or Pickens? I can't. It was remember. intended. It was intended for Pickens. Everyone was asking for a long time. Has he been targeted tonight? The answer was yes. It was on that interception. And. He didn't even really – did he try to tackle him or did the guy just trip? It looked – as soon as he caught it, I'm like, there you go. There's, they just answered with a pick six of their own, and he just tripped. Yeah, I think his momentum was going so far that, that he just – he lost his own balance. I don't think it was anything a Steeler really did. This is a disaster. And yet it's a feel-good night in some ways. Anytime you beat the Browns, 
seemed like a rousing night at the stadium watching it uh, on TV. It seemed like fun. Um, defensive touchdowns are always exciting, you know. So in that, I, I give them credit. I do for tonight. They they pulled out a gutsy win on defense, and I do give Mike Tomlin credit for uh, unleashing the dogs at the end. He wasn't going to let. He was not going to let. Um, Deshaun Watson sit back there. He came after him and he blitzed and he played to win. And I like that. Yeah. And I mean, it frustrates. I think there's a, there's a segment of this fan base. It frustrates Joe that, that these are the types of games that Mike Tomlin wins and gets the, you know, those, when you get to the end of the season, he's got those eight, nine, 10 wins. Um, you know, even if you don't feel great about the whole of the team, I think this is definitely in that category of, you know, when we get to the end of the season, what was a, what was a turning point type of game? You know, I think this is probably going to be pretty close to the top of the list, even though it's week two. Yeah, I don't have a great feeling about the rest of the season still, though. Do you? I said 10 and 7, and I'm probably I'm probably more inclined to revise down than revise up, for sure. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they still got to eight or nine wins. But I, the I'm, I'm losing faith that we're going to see this big second-year step in, in the right direction um, from Kenny Pickett in this offense. Cause I think that's what the, the whole re, you know, the whole optimism was, was built around was, Oh, well you, you played half the season without TJ Watt and you got all the struggles out of the way. You can only go up from here. I'm, I'm not sure I see that. I, I think they have a high floor and a low ceiling and, and there's really nothing that's, that's changed my perspective. What about you? I'm with you on all of that. Now, the one saving grace here is they are playing the Raiders next. And I know things haven't gone well against the Raiders in the past, but I could see it ain't San Francisco and Cleveland's got a pretty good defense too. Really? Um, This is a lesser defense they're going to be playing. And certainly Houston is a lesser defense. So maybe they start to get things back on track a little bit. I mean, I was, I was very optimistic offensively this season. And yeah, it's taken a major hit. Uh, my thoughts on Pickett, my thought on the offense as a whole, but maybe these next two weeks will be good for them offensively. And I'll leave well, you with that. I'll leave to. you with that faint hope. I think they're going to have to be Joe, especially if this defense continues to get banged up. Like they're going to have to find something against these teams, um, and, and maybe you get that that effect that you did last season, where you get you build some confidence and you're able to ride that for a little bit against some of the better teams that come up toward the middle of the schedule. Um, but Joe, thank you for your service tonight. I think we'll call that, um, the encore. Um, thanks for joining me tonight. Make sure you stay tuned, uh, to post Gazette sports, um, on YouTube all week. We're going to have tons of reaction to Steelers Browns. and We'll be setting up, you know, short turnaround before this game against the Raiders. Christopher Carr will be back on the North shore drive podcast on Wednesday. I'll be back on Thursday with hopefully a nice and rested Paul's ice, um, to break He's things never down. Rested. I know. He doesn't go to sleep, Joe. I've gotten no. texts from that man at all hours of the day. Well, thanks for having me on, and thanks uh, for everybody out there for watching. That's really cool that we had that many people. Yeah, great audience tonight, everyone. Thanks for all the comments, and we will talk to you again soon. You like the Pirates chair? I do like it, Joe. I We're... saw it for the draft. It's, it's, a nice, it's a nice touch. You like the Bo Jackson poster back there? I like the Bo Jackson. What else you got to show the to show the folks before we sign off here? Well, I'll give you a little tour of the man cave, won't I? Let's go to uh, 
Bob McAdoo, back for the Braves. That's him right there taking a jump shot. John Starks with one of the most famous dunks in history over Horace Grant, left-handed, I might add. Uh, picture of the Civic Arena, where I spent many, many days. <clears throat> That's right here. See that? Beautiful shot right there. Beautiful with the, with the snow. That's and how I remember it. Of course, Thurman Thomas. Have to show him. See him? I do, I do. Thank you, Adam. Good stuff, Joe. Are you disappointed they canceled winning time? I don't even know what winning time is. Okay, well, then we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> All right, see ya. Good night, everybody. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.